the topic of heaven. Revelation 21, we sing hymns, uh, this is my father's world, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres, this is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. And then we spiritualize it, and so we sing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I agree that this present world is not everything God meant it to be. It cannot be the best God has to offer. But I'm equally not satisfied with simply saying that our home is somewhere spiritualized out there, beyond the blue, some maybe floating on clouds, I don't know, draped in sheets. It just sounds like that doesn't... That just won't satisfy. Would that satisfy you? Maybe for a day to get away from trouble, but after a while, that doesn't sound very fun. If that's all we have to offer in eternity to come, then we're not much better off than most religions that speak of heaven in vague, intangible terms. The hope of heaven is real. The hope of heaven is tangible. It's, it's something you can feel and touch. It's, it's something we will enjoy for all of eternity. We'll have things to do. Biblical Christianity holds out the hope of heaven to humanity and the prospect of a better world to come. A new earth. And even a new heaven. If you go back to that hymn, the last stanza says, This is my Father's world, oh let me ne'er forget, that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. Randy Acorn said, We are homesick for Eden. We long for what the first man and woman once enjoyed, a perfect, beautiful earth with free and untainted relationship with its creator, God, each other, animals, and yes, even with nature itself, our environment. Every invention of man's progress and religious imagination are an effort to overcome what was lost in the curse of sin. Man knows something is missing. I don't think you have to carry on a conversation for very long to have the sense that people just have an angst about the world in which we live. Something's missing. Something's not right. Men and women will try all sorts of things to try to make it right. But they'll never find, they'll never come to a knowledge of the truth without the truth of this book and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the redemption plan of God promises us the restoration of things the way they were meant to be. Not only a new body, but a new earth as well. And we see hints of God's plan for the, the new earth, first of all, in the return of Christ. You know the verses, I've read them. You've heard them at funerals. Some of you, it's your favorite passage, John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he says, in his father's house are many mansions. He talks about going to prepare a place for you. And he says, if he goes and prepares a place for you, he'll come again and receive you unto himself, that where he is there, you may be also. The place is the heavenly. It is the place where the dead in Christ will be. Absent from this body, present with the Lord in the place where he's prepared. Then, the tribulation. 
So we know we won't be here for that, saved out of the tribulation to come. That we know about seven years. Then the millennial reign of Christ, about a thousand years on earth. And then heaven on earth. Hmm. Revelation 21. And I saw, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, that place absent from the body, present with the Lord, that's not eternal heaven. The first heaven and the first earth on which we live now were passed away. And there was no more sea. Now that doesn't mean there's no more ocean. I can think of no, I I love the ocean. I love the water. I can think of no more boring place to live than where I would never see the ocean. This is not the ocean. It's not talking about no more ocean. The sea is the place from which the great beast will arise. The sea is the place from which Revelation tells us the dead will be raised toward a second death. That's the unbeliever. This sea is representative of all things ungodly, all confusion, all political unrest, all fear, everything in the world today that we see, all of that as the sea will be done away with. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is the new heaven, the new earth. This is after the tribulation. This is after the rapture. This is after the millennium. And there shall be no more death. That's the sea. Neither sorrow there in the sea, nor crying. All the unrest that you think of the tumultuous sea, all of that now done away with, and the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. You know that phrase, the Greek alphabet. I'm no Greek scholar. Neither are you. So that's the first and last letter. So I'm Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is, that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, sorcerers, the dollars, liars, the sea, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Heaven on earth. The old heaven, the old earth passed away. There's no more sea. Revelation 20, 13 talks about that place from which the great beast will arise, the second death, which was referred to here. Most agree that this term is, in general, encompasses the end of all things related to sin. When Christ returns in all of His glory at the end of all time, He will, in fact, bring an end to all things that cause fear, frustration, anger, resentment, death, sickness, all of that will then be done away with. And He'll restore heaven on earth as He intended. The eternal heaven is a real place, real people. And we can see a glimpse of it from the history of earth. First, we had the original earth with everything created that God intended. He said, and it is what? 
it is good. Right? God created it, and every statement about it was good. Second, we had a sin-cursed earth upon which we now live and can still observe glimpses of God's original creation. I'm no scientist. I don't pretend to be one. But when I read things like, uh, oh, uh, you know, about science and about the minutia of this world in which we live and how everything has a pattern. Some people look at it and talk about evolution. I look at it and say, what marvelous things God has brought about. So with all of the things that we can even now still observe, even on a sin-cursed earth, why would we then think that anyone would end up with a new earth that will only be somehow spiritual? If God can create such a place of beauty, you think He can make it even better? At the return of Christ, the new earth will not be something never imagined, but greater than anyone can presently imagine. More beautiful, more grand, more... And that's the point at which John says, words fail me to describe what I will, or what I have seen, what we will see. There's a history of earth, the future earth. It's already written for us throughout scripture. I picked out some like in Hebrews chapter 11. It describes cities. It describes countries. Revelation 20, Revelation 21, the earth future will have mountains, it will have water, it will have trees, it will have animals, people, very real, walls of precious stone, very much as God originally intended it to be. Some of the best depictions of heaven are found in children's books. Why would that be? Because when you talk to children about God, you, you, you can't use, you can't over-spiritualize it. You have to use something that's concrete, something that's real and tangible, in order to try to illustrate for them what God is like. Why then do we grow up and lose our imagination of what heaven must be like? As if it only could ever be spiritual at that point. No, it's very real. Don't stop with thoughts of heaven in the clouds one day when we're raptured away. Don't ever lose your imagination of how great heaven on earth will be. We know the return of Christ will be physical and all things will be made new or redeemed. And so we want to learn about the redemption of Christ. God's plan of redemption will not be complete until heaven and earth are made one. In describing the new Jerusalem through the prophet Isaiah, God said, behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. And the former shall not even be remembered, Isaiah 65. Peter said, 2 Peter 3, according to his promise, we look for a new heaven and a new earth. John said he saw a new heaven, Revelation 21 we read, a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth are passed away. This revealed God's renewal plan. The redemption of Christ is not complete at the rapture. I know you're excited about the fact that you're going to be taken away from this earth, and it may be soon, it may be in the rapture, and you may not ever see death. That sounds pretty exciting. But don't let your thoughts and imagination end with that. Like, okay, phew, wow, I'm glad that's over. Because remember, we have eternity yet to look forward to. 
So to simply say, I'm glad that's over, and then have eternity? I sure hope it is better than what I could have ever imagined. The redemption of Christ is not just from this place to another, but it is this place to be remade. In describing a new Jerusalem through the prophet Isaiah, God said, Behold, I create all things new. This is God's renewal plan. Redemption not complete when He takes us away. It's not complete at the time of the tribulation when He puts down evil. It's not even complete when He steps foot on the earth in the millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years because there still seems to be some lingering effect of sin because there's still sickness, there's still death, and there's still unbelievers on the earth even when Christ is reigning. So God's renewal plan is initiated in what Revelation 21 there in verse 8 calls the second death. When all evil is cast into the lake of fire from which there can be no escape. Only then there's no more death, no more pain, no more tears, no more emotional swings that, that grab us in the world in which we live today. Redemption is not complete until we are fully rid of evil and there's a new heaven and a new earth. God is not only long-suffering to mankind, not willing that any should perish, but neither has He given up on the renewal of all things He originally created. It's His. God's intention is to restore all things to their original order and purpose. This is why we are just stewards. We're not trying to improve this place until God can come back and take over. We're just trying to hold back evil until Christ comes to make all things New. When Christ returns, He'll complete the exchange of all things old for all things new. This is what Peter preached in his great sermon when thousands believed in Acts chapter 3, when he said, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And then he described, When the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive, now he's there, seated at the right hand of the Father, until the time of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets. Most of us follow eschatology. You know what eschatology is. Eschatology. End of, the study of, of the end of time, right? Eschatology. And we follow it through until maybe the rapture. Maybe we sort of talk about the tribulation, but we say, well, but I won't be there. And then maybe you have some description about the millennial reign of Christ. And again, you say, but I won't be there. I'll be in heaven. I don't know, a great banquet that will be there, the marriage supper of the Lamb and all that's going on there in heaven. But that's still not the permanent heaven. So don't stop with any of that. God does not abandon this creation. We're not just saved away from this. But rather, redemption of Christ looks forward to the renewal of all things. Instead of talking about the end of all things, we ought to talk about the beginning of all things, the renewal of all things. This is the redemptive plan of God. When I pass away, do I cease to exist? Am I a shapeless form covered with a white sheet? And then we talk about the resurrection, a new body, right? So what is it that transpires? Absent from the body, present with the Lord, one day a new body, that's the plan of redemption for every believer. We know that. So when John said in our text, Revelation 21, that heaven and earth were passed away, remember that's in the context 
heaven and earth passed away, but it's in the context, not just means that it ceases to exist. It's in the context of a new heaven and a new earth. Still there. Still very real. God could have just destroyed the earth, like just, just destroyed it. And then we live somewhere out there beyond the blue. Like it's some big cosmic mistake. And he's just going to start all over in some other form. No. See, when he created everything, he said it was good. And he wants to restore everything again to where he can say, and it is good. The plan of redemption is to put all things back in place. We're not just going to heaven in order to abandon, escape the earth. But the plan of redemption is to bring a new heaven to a new earth. This is the predestination of all things. That word predestination we stumble over sometimes. But more often than not, it has to do with God's eternal plan, the predestination of all things that Paul spoke of in Ephesians chapter 1. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things to Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. The redemption of Christ paid the price for our sins, but God's full plan of redemption is far, far, far more complete than you would have might otherwise imagine. Redemption of Christ not only paid for our sins, but likewise established forever God's authority to claim what belongs to Him. That's God's redemptive plan. Redemption means to buy back. God holds the ticket. It was paid for with the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, which we will remember at the communion service. And He will come to lay claim to what He has purchased. This will be a time when all earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord, as it's described in Numbers 14. The return of Christ will be complete. The redemption of Christ established forever. The reign of Christ. Again, we talk about end times just far enough to see Christ when He comes back. Uh, You know, at the end of the tribulation, kind of squashes evil. He steps there on the Mount of Olives. It splits open, and man, our imagination just explodes at that point. And then he reigns and rules for a thousand years. But don't stop there. We can imagine all of that, but there's still death even then. And those who will not believe, even then. Again, to remove the excuse of man, well, if Jesus was just come and be our king, if Jesus himself were our king, well, then everything would be right. No, still, man will not believe. So the reign here in Revelation 21 is beyond that time. It's described further down in the chapter, down in verse 27, where it says, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that will defile, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but only they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the only person present in the new heaven and the new earth. Only those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and your name has been written with the blood of Christ in the Lamb's book of life. That's the only person present in this new heaven and this new earth. This is the time and place of the final eternal reign of Christ marked by two specific things. You can read about it in, like in Colossians chapter 2, for example. Two specific things that will be true of this eternal home. No more curse of sin, not on you, not on the earth, no influence of Satan, no curse of sin, and no man of sin. So the man of sin is removed, 
When Christ establishes his eternal reign, there can be no other competition. Satan must be eternally removed. During the millennial reign of Christ, Satan will be bound and cast into the bottomless pit, described for us in Revelation chapter 9. But again, that's early on. His influence still lingers on the earth itself because the earth itself has been cursed. But for the eternal reign of Christ, Satan will be brought up and all the, the, his followers with him brought up and they will be cast into the lake of fire from which there will be no escape. That's Revelation 20. In fact, death and the present hell will be cast in the lake of fire, which is what's called the second death. And this leads us to the second mark of the eternal reign of Christ, and the curse of sin is removed. The curse of sin is removed. There shall be, we read it, then also in Revelation 22, down there in verse 3, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will serve Him and that forever. In Genesis, God cursed the ground on which man toils all day long. You have a garden? You have trees in your yard? You got trees? You pay somebody to come do your leaves, don't you? Man. Do you hate it sometimes? Oh, it's beautiful, and then you got to cut the grass. Oh, it's beautiful, and then you got to rake up the leaves. Oh, it's beautiful, and then you got to weed the garden. Oh, it's... And then the curse pops up, right? So in the eternal reign of Christ on the new earth, even the curse upon the soil is removed. There's also another part of the curse upon the ground from which we are made. You know the phrase, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. You know that phrase sometimes read, quoted, referred to at funerals. Why? Because you were made from the dust of the ground. So one day you will, your body will return to the dust of the ground. There is a curse upon the dirt, upon the earth. Even that curse is removed. No more weeds. No more toiling in that way. No more death. Not only physical death, but eternal separation from God that's been established because of sin. We know the wages of sin is death, both physical as well as spiritual. But the eternal reign of Christ, death is swallowed up in victory. 1 Corinthians 15, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah said the same, he'll swallow up death in victory. God's plan of redemption will not end until the king says, Come, ye blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That will be the invitation at the great renewal of the heavens and the earth and we will be ushered into our new eternal home if you believe in jesus christ you accept him as your personal savior then you can say this familiar phrase with me in first john chapter four greater is he that is in it says you but personalized greater is he that's in me who's that that's the lord jesus through the holy spirit right greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world some of you are living defeated lives as Christians because you've never understood the full and final victory that Christ has won for you. You think somehow you've got to make things better so that Christ can come. You think somehow you've got to improve on something before Christ can have his way. No, Christ will have his way. The question is whether you'll let him have his way in your life. You'll say, I accept you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior. 
Some of you are living frustrated lives because you've never been able to find the one key to eternal victory. And that's because you've never understood who Jesus is, what Jesus Christ has done. The only way Satan wins is if you seal your fate with him for all of eternity. There's no reason to do that. There's no reason to do that because that's what Christ has come to provide. He's redeemed us through his blood. And that's what we remember at communion. Even the forgiveness of sins, delivering us from the power of darkness, translating us into the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians 1. We the redeemed are looking forward to all things new. A new body. You say amen to that, right? A new city. Well, that'll be nice. New nature. New things to enjoy on earth. A new earth itself. That's what we're made for. That's what we long for. And that's what will be yours if you are a child of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know this old song? When engulfed by the terror of tempestuous sea, unknown waves before you roll, at the end of doubt and peril is eternity, though fear and conflict seize your soul. But just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial, of waking up in glory and finding it home. The hope of heaven is not a cloud. The hope of heaven is not a spiritual body covered by a white sheet. The hope of heaven is not strumming a harp. The hope of heaven is a new earth as God intends it to be, fully redeemed, with new bodies, redeemed by the blood of Christ. And this new heaven, somehow, is it hovering above? It just sounds a little weird to talk about, but a new heaven. Apparently, we can go back and forth from that new heaven to the new earth, and we enjoy it, as God intends it, for all of eternity. What aches do you have? What fears do you have? What concerns do you have right now? Christ said, I will make all things right. Isn't that what you long? You long. See, sometimes we get the idea, if I get saved, then God's going to right all the wrongs. No, he won't, because we live on a sin-cursed earth. The wrong is still with us. But one day, and not just the rapture, and not just the temporary heaven, One day, for all of eternity, a new heaven and a new earth, as God intends it to be. I look forward to that. I hope you do. I hope you have that same confidence, a certain hope through our Lord Jesus Christ.